Pastor Xavier Reese and the stark simple truths of empty religious rituals. Christians caught up in rituals and ceremony think they're pleasing God, reading and studying, but with no intent to obey, serving in the church to be seen of men that follow meticulous rituals and ceremony thinking they are pleasing God and that he hears their prayers, but he doesn't. God doesn't honor that at all. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. God's Word through Zechariah rebuked the people of God for what their fasting had become, indulgent pity parties instead of a time to genuinely seek God. Their hearts were not right with God, thus their rituals were not right before God. And it's here in Zechariah chapter 7 that Pastor Xavier draws out an obvious simple truth. How everyday obedience would make our time in prayer and fasting meaningful, but neglect of everyday obedience just makes our efforts hypocritical. Let's listen. Zechariah chapter 7, we're looking at the entire chapter, verse 1 through 14, and the message entitled, Religious Ritual is Empty. God prefers obedience over ritualistic ceremony. That's what chapter 7 declares and is characterized by three things. First, the delegation that inquired from God. Zechariah, in verse 2 through 3, recorded the twofold purpose for the arrival of this delegation. The people are, had sent this group. Uh, we don't know who these people are, but simply they stated that they were sent by men. They probably are from Babylon. Like um, the previous group that came, Haldai and Tobijah and Jedediah, who brought the gift of silver and gold to make a crown and to have it placed on Joshua's head, symbolic of the future coronation of Jesus in chapter 6, verse 10 through 11. They came from Babylon. It says right there. Now, the purpose was twofold. Look at the, the end of verse 2 and 3. First, they were sent to the house of God to pray before the Lord Yahweh here. The house of God was the temple. The temple is being built. It will be finished in two years. And they came to pray. The word pray there means to become weak or grieved before Yahweh, the holy covenant God, to seek his will. The reason why they went to captivity is they didn't do his will. They went contrary to his will. Now God has chastened them, brought them back. He's working. And they are to demonstrate a repentant heart. As we'll push through the text, we'll see this. Second, they were to ask the leaders in the house of God to seek God about this question on fasting. There was only, by the way, only one day that God commanded for fasting. That was the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, Leviticus 16. Only one. Man always wants to put all kinds of things to demonstrate and to give an appearance that he's spiritual when he's carnal. They had God's word, but they had added all kinds of other stuff. Notice, secondly, comes the consternation expressed by God. Verse 4 through 7. God exposes their fasting as empty ritual. God made himself known to the prophet Zechariah. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, This is the heavenly courtroom. And this is a rhetorical question. Listen. When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month during those seven days, did you really fast for me? For me? This, is like all other rhetorical questions, has one correct answer. No. And God says, 
I don't think so. You weren't doing it for me. Look at six. The heavenly courtroom continues as God, the prosecuting attorney, asks them another question, knowing and having all the evidence. When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourself? Don't say no. So you do to like these feeds. You get to feed your face. You're not, you don't have me in mind. The practice revealed that it had become pure ritual and formality to serve themselves their own purposes rather than being genuinely seeking God. Notice verse 7. The prophet Zechariah received also in the first answer that God exposed the disobedient hearts of the people. He goes from the action to the source. The source is the most important. Attitude. Perspective. God rebuked them for not obeying. Listen. Should you not have obeyed the words? Here's another rhetorical question. The answer correctly? Yes. They should have, but they didn't. The people and priests heard and understood the word of God, but they didn't obey. The people and priests decided not to pay heed to the words for their good. God rebuked them for not honoring the prophets he sent to them. Listen, which the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets. The former prophets were those sent to them before the Babylonian captivity. He's talking about major prophets, minor prophets. There were major prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel are in Babylon. Ezekiel with the people. Daniel inside the Shushan, the palace. There were six minor prophets prior to the captivity of the northern kingdom. By Assyrian 722, you have Obadiah, Joel, Jonah, Amos, Hosea, and Micah. There are three contemporary minor prophets prior to the captivity for the southern kingdom, Judah, that they went into Babylon to three sieges, uh, 606, 596, and 586. You had Nahum, Sephaniah, and Habakkuk. All these prophets to warn them. God says, Hear now, O heads of Jacob, and you rulers of the house of Israel. Micah's talking. Is it not for you to know justice? You who hate good and love evil, who strip the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people, flay their skin from them, break their bones and chop them in pieces like meat for the pot, like flesh to the cauldron. Now, do you think God is embellishing your line again? These were the things that were going on. Rather than being the people of God, loving and helping each other and walking with God, they had corrupted themselves and turned evil. Look to our nation, ladies and gentlemen. Look to our, our church today. Everything's being spinned, rationalized, explained away, cultural multiplicity, whatever. God rebuked them for presuming on His patient mercy as He blessed them in spite of their sin. Listen to the words in 7. When Jerusalem and the cities around it were inhabited and prosperous in the south and the lowlands were inhabited. In other words, during this time, when Jerusalem, the capital of the nation and other cities were filled with people being protected by God, waiting to see if they're going to repent, not because he didn't know it, but being patient because he's long-suffering. Men and women filled the streets. Children played and enjoyed safety and security when they deserved judgment. You're sitting here all safe. Most of you are enjoying a job. Yet America's under judgment by God. If you don't think it is, you're not reading the Bible properly. You don't have a good world perspective. Kings of prophets were with them, warning them. Well, God was still blessing and providing economically by their harvest, providing the rain. They had trades with other nations. They were being able to defend their borders still. He mentions the south, the Negev, indicating the wilderness south of Judah. The lowlands. 
is the strip of west of Judah, Judean mountains that were vulnerable. Yet God was there. All God ever wanted was obedience to his word. He's waiting. I think Isaiah illustrates this point vividly in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10 through 16. It's an amazing way that he opens up up his prophecy. Isaiah illustrates this and he says, uh, uh, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. He's talking to the Israelis. City of Sodom, meaning Jerusalem. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifice to me, says the Lord? I have had enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand? To trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifice, incense as an, as an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbath days, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity. And the sacred meetings, your new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourself. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doing from before my eyes. God says, why do you even bother to come into my courts? Why do you even bother to pray? There are many people that are religious that follow meticulous rituals and ceremony thinking they are pleasing God and that he hears their prayers, but he doesn't. And I was raised a Catholic, you know. Lent is a season of 40 days, not counting Sunday, which begins with Ash Wednesday and ends on the Holy Saturday. Lent comes from the Anglo-Saxon word Lenten, which means spring. The 40 days represent the time Jesus spent in the wilderness, supposedly enduring temptation of Satan and preparing to begin his ministry. Lends a time of repentance, fasting, and preparation for the coming of Easter. It is a time of self-examination, reflection, and giving up certain things for 40 days. Right? Your smokes, your little drinking, your candies, your, your donuts, or whatever. But then after those 40 days, man, you go party. So, for those 40 days, we live like saints, and the rest of the year, we live like devils. Ritualistic. God doesn't honor that. At all. Wearing veils, robes, crossing oneself. Holy water. It's called dirty water. Everybody sticks their finger in there. (laughs) Incense. Kneeling, standing, whatever. Where do I find it in the Bible? I don't. Why do I do it then? God hasn't ordered any of these things. And they do not force him to hear me. Listen to um, Colossians 2, 20 through 23. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principle of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Man's regulations, not the Bible. Man's regulations in addition. Listen. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. In other words, none of those things are going to make you more holy. None of those things are going to help you uh, against your sin nature. The only thing that's going to stop you from being a sinner and yielding to your sin nature is the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit of God and you crucifying your flesh through both of those things. The rest mean nothing. 
You see people there in Mexico City and the Villa right there or, or the, the cathedral there and the plaza and people are kneeling and kneeling all the way to the door of the cathedral and their knees are bleeding. They're sincere, but they're sincerely deceived. God never intended that. The Christian can also become caught up in rituals and ceremony and think they're pleasing God. Reading and studying, but with no intent to obey. Serving in the church to be seen of men. Jesus said, Well, to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithes and mints and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites in the sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men by to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, you have the reward. Matthew 6.16 Giving an appearance how spiritual are you deny yourself. You remember when Saul was sent to obey and destroy the Amalekites, Samuel came, he says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of God? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of wrath for rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you from being king. 1 Samuel fifteen twenty-two through 23. This was a consternation expressed by God by that past generation. Third and last, notice the castigation revealed by God, verse 8 through 14. 8 to 10, the prophet Zechariah received the second answer that God had required them to repent. This is the goal. The words are once again identified as divine revelation. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, from the covenant God, Yahweh, to the called prophet and anointed, Zechariah. God had called them to turn from their corruption of the judicial system. Look at verse 9. The protector of Israel speaks again, thus saith the Lord of hosts. The command of the people and the priests was threefold. Don't miss it. They were to execute true justice. The phrase refers to deliberate and reliable judicial decisions and verdicts. For the cases of the people presented to the judges. They were corrupting everything. They had corrupted the law, favoring some and, and just ripping off the people. They weren't upholding the law. Deuteronomy 1.16 says, Then I commanded your judges at that time, saying, Hear the cases between your brethren, and judge righteously between man and his brother, or the stranger who is with you. God delighted, and he wanted the justice to be straight, unpartial, but they had corrupted it. They were to show mercy and compassion. Notice, everyone to his brother. Mercy is a covenant word. Loving kindness. They were to be loving to each other. They were to be kind. They were to be helpful. Compassion under means a tender pity. Amos 5.24, the key verse of the book. Listen. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. You've done just the opposite. You have a lot of corruption. To run like water and deception and evil like a mighty stream. Look at 10. God had called them to turn from their social oppression and injustice that took advantage of the people. They were not to oppress the most defenseless and most financially deprived person. Do not oppress the widow and the fatherless. In the law, Deuteronomy 10, 18, it says the law was very clear. He says he administers justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. 
The book of Amos over and over and over again. He charged them against that. They were not to oppress the most vulnerable in the land. Listen, the alien or the poor. They were not to have wrong motives to plan in their hearts evil against their brethren. Listen, let none of you plan evil in, your, in their, his heart against his brethren. Notice verse 11 and 12. The prophet Zechariah received also in the second answer of God as he accuses them of past personal rebellion to repent. Their fathers turned a deaf ear, but they refused to heed. They didn't want anything. They just did not want to hear what God had to say. Their fathers lost the fear of God as they stood before the prophet shrugging their shoulders, physically demonstrating arrogance and disrespect for the messenger and God. Physically demonstrating to God their rebelliousness. Their fathers could not tolerate to hear the words of God. They stopped their ears so that they could not hear. In other words, it it bothered them. It it disturbed them to hear God's word. They put their hands over their ears. I don't want to hear it. Their fathers had a simple problem. Look at verse 12. Yes, they made their heart like flint, refusing to hear the law and the words of the Lord of hosts who had sent them by His Spirit through the former prophets. Flint, hard stone like a diamond. The ideas of hardening callousness, the inability to feel or to sense, you callous your conscience, it doesn't bother you anymore. You could do whatever you want. It's so scarred up. You get a cut that's big enough, that, that area you can't feel. The, the, the nerves have been deadened. Jeremiah 79 says, The heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked. The problem is the heart. Only God knows it. The problem is not your brains. You're not that smart. The problem is your heart. Or maybe you're listening out there in the world somewhere. Your heart needs to be renewed. You need to repent of your sins. You need to call upon God and cast yourself upon the stone. Let the stone fall upon you and crush you. Look at 12 still. Their fathers were judged by God. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. The phrase great wrath refers to the intensity and the extent of his anger and indignation. Why? Because he's a holy God. Is he mean? No, he's holy. He's just. He must judge sin and rebellion. You as a parent, if you don't judge or discipline your child, you don't love them. You love you. You don't want to be bothered. But if you love your son or daughter, you will get after them. How much more, God? The source, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, they did not want God as their protector in the past. They provoked him to be what? Their punishers. Your children, my children, my grandchildren, they're the ones that decide what their parents are going to be, protectors or punishers. Look at 13 and 14. The prophet Zechariah received in the second answer that God had to judge them for their disobedience. God brought forth his just judgment after much long suffering and patience. Think about it. This verdict did not happen overnight. God was patient, long suffering with them. Therefore it happened. This took a lot of time. The northern kingdom went from captivity in 722 B.C. The southern kingdom, the last one in 586 B.C. The first minor prophet to prophesy pre-captivity was Obadiah in 845 B.C. Habakkuk was the last in 606 B.C. Plus the major prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, 237 years of warning. Now do you think God was quick to judge? 120 years before the flood? 237 years here. How long would you wait? Notice they reaped to what they sowed. 
that just as he proclaimed and they would not hear, so they called out and I would not listen. The prophets were sent to by God. The prophets were ignored and killed by the people. The authority again is by the captain of the armies of heaven as their judge in the heavenly courtroom, no longer protecting them, but punishing them. The Lord of hosts. God brought forth his just sentencing for their crime against Yahweh. Look at 14. God sent them into captivity, but I scattered them with the whirlwind among all the nations which they had not known. According to the covenant curses of Deuteronomy 28, 41, and 42. Leviticus 23. If you do this, I'll bless you. If you do this, I'll curse you. Simple. God allowed the land to rest. Thus the land became desolate after them so that no one passed through or returned, just as he said it would. But notice, God faulted the people for the land becoming waste. Not God. Listen. For they made the pleasant land desolate. Oh, my mom, my dad, they hate me. They ruined my life. They didn't get that. No, you did it. By your choices, by your rebellion. You have sown. You have reaped the whirlwind. Micah 6 eight says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. To do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. God calls every believer to repent and get right with God to serve him. Men and women who are living contrary to what they profess they are, Christians. Listen, Isaiah 118. Come now and reason with us together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they may be white as snow. Though they are like red, like crimson, they shall be as wool. If what? If you repent. God will forgive. God will restore. Sometimes the cause is great through the compromise of sin. The loss of a marriage, the loss of a ministry, loss of a reputation. Revelation 2.5, Jesus speaking to the church of Ephesus, to Christians. Listen. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do your first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. God at times deals with individuals severely, sometimes exposing them for their sin. Other times, he brings sickness upon them. Sometimes he kills them. First Corinthians 11.30 says, For this reason many of you are sick among and many sleep are dead. But at all times God is desiring repentance for restoration. And therefore he goes to the extreme even of turning believers over to Satan. We do not turn non-believers to Satan. They already belong to him. We turn believers over to Satan who rebel and refuse to repent. Like the young man sleeping with his stepmother. Listen carefully. 1 Corinthians 5, 4 through 5. He says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of Jesus Christ. We're hoping for repentance. Doesn't guarantee it. But you turn him over to Satan. That hopefully he repents, even if he loses his life, that he'll be in heaven. He's talking to Christians, ladies and gentlemen, not non-believers. This was the castigation revealed by God. He's talking to his people, right? God prefers obedience over ritualistic ceremony. Characterized by these three things. The delegation that inquired from God. The consternation expressed by God. And the castigation revealed by God. Now do you think this might be relevant for today? <laughs> Guaranteed that it does. God's always the same, holy. Men are always the same and women, sinful. Nothing has changed. 
Repentance is the answer. Pastor Xavier Reese, cautioning that a lost hunger for God's Word is a telltale evidence of hardness of heart. Sobering simple truths drawn today from Zechariah chapter 7. Now you can request a copy of this study titled Religious Ritual is Empty, available on CD for just $4. And by the way, this CD will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. The title you'll be asking for once again is Religious Ritual is Empty. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com